Hey, I first met Albert Tate several years ago at a retreat on the shores of Lake Erie. Uh, we were uh, there with a bunch of other pretty high-powered leaders. They were like leaders of leaders, people who were leading whole movements of church planting, right? And yet there was in that space one figure who kind of towered over the others and just the personality and charisma and honestly, his laughter. You ever known a person like that? They just kind of fill up the, the room with their presence in a pleasant sort of way and, uh, and just sort of change the tone for the better. Uh, well, you might have guessed that person is Albert Tate. And he's about to change the tone and fill up this place as well. And uh, we're super excited about that. Albert's been preaching a long time. Uh, Albert preached uh, at a church in Mississippi. And then for a while at a historic church in Pasadena, California. Uh, and in 2012, he and his wife, uh, LaRosa, were led by God to plant Fellowship Monrovia. And this um, multicultural, intergenerational super high impact in its region kind of church has become one of the fastest growing churches in the nation and yet what i love about albert is that he just is down to earth and he stays connected to his to his to his lord jesus he stays connected to his family he stays connected to his three kids zoe bethany and isaac and yet he preaches all over the world to tens of thousands of people you've probably heard him at some conferences you've been at but today he's here at mountain road campus to bring the word will you put your hands together and give a huge old mountain welcome to our friend albert tate Hey! Ah, uh, good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all good? I'm tell you, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here with y'all today. I tell you, I'm so glad. And I, I, it's my first time being in this part of the country, so I'm so glad to be here. Man, I've, I had crab cakes last night. I had crab cakes this morning. I'm going to have crab cakes tonight, Jack. I'm just having a time of my life. I'm having a time of my life. It's so good. So excited to be here. Um, but, you know, man, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I am, um, it's, it's just, a, just the frustration, the tension that usually the, I don't bring the audience into, but I feel like it's almost undeniable. Like, I, it's, it's ridiculous they only gave me 28 minutes to preach. This is, um, <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? They, and they got to, I mean, like, it's, it's like a clock on a black preacher is like kryptonite to Superman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, and even the clock count me down is white. The numbers are white. <laughs> it's an oppressive clock, Ben. It's an oppressive clock. And look, now it's at zero. I guess, you know what? All right, well, fine then. I'm done. All right, thank you all. God bless you. Good night. <laughs> no, but they, it is at zero, so I, that means I'm going to go as long as I want. Um, I am so glad to be here. I am taking us to a passage this morning, um, and, and I'm running a risk here because uh, for those that have been in church for a while, it's a very familiar passage. As a matter of fact, it's so familiar that we run the risk of you checking out. If you hadn't been to church uh, and you, you not a gr didn't grow up at church and don't know a lot of scripture, you're going to be like, this is great. I'm, <laughs> I'm well up to speed. I'm, you are right where you're supposed to be. But if you've been at church for a long time, I've got to put a warning for you. Um, because it's so familiar, you run the risk of checking out prematurely. So my prayer for you 
is that if, if you've been around church a long time, is that God would give you fresh eyes and fresh ears to see and hear and experience these ancient words again for the first time. Amen? Having said that, with that, if you have your Bibles or open up your Bible apps to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. John, chapter 3, verse 16. As a little boy, this is one of the first passages that I committed to memory. Um, and um, I, I learned down in Mississippi the King James Version, who I affectionately call J King Jimmy. So I will quote, recite King Jimmy for us today. Um, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, in these next few moments, would you speak to us, God? Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say no one do. Father, may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm excited to preach the next 26 minutes, 18 seconds. Um, I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, my wife and I are Californians, but we didn't live in California all our life. We, we from Mississippi, man. We grew up, born and bred in Mississippi. Uh, moved to California 11 years ago. As a matter of fact, 11 years ago, we, we didn't even have any kids when we moved to Southern California. We just moved out there, no kids. The first two weeks in Southern California, my wife got pregnant. Uh, we didn't have any cable or internet hooked up, and that's just kind of what happened. I... Uh, I'll tell you the truth, man. As a matter of fact, after that, we just said, before we move into a house ever again, the cable and internet got to be on first, or else we ain't coming in. And three kids later, man, we finally figured out that was the problem. Um, my wife is now pregnant in a new city, new job, new community, new neighbors, new everything, so a new church, so everything was unfamiliar. So I was like, man, I got to do something special. Our anniversary was coming up. So I was like, I got to do something special for our anniversary. So I asked my new California friends. I was like, man, when you want to, you know, hook your wife up, what do you get your wife? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, hook your wife up. We want to bless your black wife in an abundance, beyond measure kind of way. Uh, hook her up. Uh, hook her up. Uh, hook her up. Um, uh, my California friends said, oh, Albert, man, it's no brainer. It's one place you got to take. You got to get your wife Tiffany's. I was like, who is Tiffany? I was like, dude, Tiffany's this amazing store. You got to get Tiffany's. So I was like, okay, cool. So I walk up in Tiffany's. I look at the price. I walk out of Tiffany's. I said, is there a, Tif a Tamika or a Tanya or a Tasha? 
uh, Tajanae or somebody. I need somebody because I can't fool with Tiffany. This is too much money, Jack. I said, Albert, listen, you got to get Tiffany's. I'm telling you, your wife sees the blue box. She's going to go crazy. I just said, well, sh- well, that's easy. Hey, Tiffany, give me a blue box. Just give me a box. I said, no, Albert, you got to do it. So, you know, so I go in the store. I walk around. I said, okay, let me give it a shot. I walk around. Y'all, you ever been in a store you ain't got no business being in? <laughs> like, you just ain't got no, your ATM card is laughing at you in your wallet. Like, what is we doing up in here? You know we can't. If you pull me out up in here, they subject to cut me up up in here. They, uh, I ain't sticking my head out up in here, Jack. So I'm in there, and y'all, I'm in there for a long time, and I get comfortable. I let my guard down. I, I'm, I'm looking in the glass, and I get comfortable, and I forget where I am, and I just say, huh, something caught my eye. I was like, let me, let me see that one. Let me see it. So she pulls it out. I look at it. It says $12,000. I wanted to say, lady, have you lost your mind? But, but I tried to play it off. I was trying to act like I was supposed to be in there. So I was like, hmm, maybe a different color. Let me just keep looking around, you know. So I'm looking around, and y'all know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the sales rack, you know. I, I, where is the clearance section? You, you know what I mean? Where's the, the floor model where I can get 30% off, you know? So I'm looking around, and I finally found, I found this bracelet with a little trinket on it. And this little trinket, and I got it. I got it. I got it. That was 11 years, 11 years ago, y'all, and I'm so proud to say 27 more payments, and it's ours. <laughs> almost home, almost home. I get it. I put it in the blue box. It's all packaged up. And I'm not going to lie, y'all. You, sh- you shouldn't do this, but I did it. I, I'm about to give her this gift, but I'm not going to lie. I want a response. I want a response. And I don't want no regular response. I want tears. I want tears. And I don't want regular tears. I want the ugly cry. You, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the snot bubble cry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about that asthmatic, that <laughs> can't breathe cry. I, I, that's what I want. I want a response, Jack. It's too much money. I want a response. So I pull out the box. And let me just tell you, brother, brothers in the house, let me just tell you, if you want to hook your wife up, go see my girl Tiffany. I'm telling you, whoo, as soon as my wife saw the box, Tears start streaming down. I got so I was like, babe, I even put something in the box. It's something in the box. Open the box. She opened up that box and let me let me see. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Let me just say it was a night of wonderful praise and worship in our home. There's a couple of kids in here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I said, but we. We had some worship and praise. The blessing of the Lord filled the temple. Uh, y- y'all... Okay, okay, okay. This lady was sitting over there. She's like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell her husband. He's like, yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it. <laughs> 
Ooh, that could have come off the wrong way. My bad. Let's, let's clean that up. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Ben. Uh, sorry. Um, I learned a lesson through that. And it was a lesson that's captured my heart. And the lesson is this. Every great gift demands a great response. Every great gift demands a great response. For God so loved the world that he gave. He, he gave, he gave, he gave the, the greatest gift that could ever be given. He gave the gift that would transform our lives throughout all eternity. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. He gave us the greatest gift that could ever be given. And the question that I want to put on the table this morning is what is your response? How do you respond to the greatest gift that has ever been given? What is your response? He says, for God so loved the world. He loved us so much that he sent his son. He sent his son to die for us so that we might have life. He sacrificed his son's life so that we might have life. Reminds me of the story of my friend who's sitting on the couch and he's watching the game. And his son is out in the backyard playing and the monkey bars. And he, his son gets stuck in the monkey bars, and he's literally screaming to his daddy, 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 I'm stuck! Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck! And like any passionate, concerned father, his father hears his cry from the backyard, and he immediately sits up and says, Huh? want to get out the couch. He don't want to, and so he, he, tries to, he tries to help him without going there. He tries to help him. He tries to, first he starts by just trying to instruct him out. He said, let me see if I can instruct him out. Uh, turn to the left. Oh, now turn to the right. Now dip, baby, dip, baby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, that's the wrong thing. I'm sorry. Is that, is that, it didn't help. He's still saying, daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. The instructing him out didn't help. Then he, then he tries to encourage him out. He tries to encourage him out. Uh, Come on, you can do it. Come on, just try harder. You, you can make it. Uh, don't worry. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Still, still doesn't work. Then, then, then he gets frustrated. Then he tries to condemn him out. What was you doing out there anyway? Didn't I tell you about being out there anyway? Didn't I tell you about playing outside? I don't want you doing out there anyway. Still, still didn't work. Condemned him out. He's still, Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, I'm stuck. So finally, he gets up off. He got get up off the couch and take pause the game. Oh, sir. Yeah, you, you stuck. <laughs> stuck. He's so, he's so stuck. He, he literally has to get down, climb in the monkey bar, get in there unstick the boy, pick him up, and carry him out so that he could be freed from the monkey bars. If you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. <laughs> Jesus loved us so much that when we were stuck 
in the world of the monkey bars of this world, when we were stuck in our righteousness, when we were stuck in our sin, when we were stuck in our lust, and we had to cry out all of humanity to God, our Savior, and say, Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck in pride. I'm stuck in self-righteousness. I'm stuck in sin. Jesus didn't sit on his throne in glory and just try to encourage us out. He didn't just try to give us instructions through the law. He didn't condemn us out and he could have condemned us. No, he got up from his throne in glory, came down, put on flesh, dwelt among us, got into the monkey bars of this world, died on Calvary's cross, rose again the third day with all power, and now by the grace of God, he unsticks us to this world, pulls us to himself, and carries us out to freedom so that we might be free from the monkey bars of this world. Has anybody ever been unstuck by the grace of God? Anybody ever been set free from the hand of God? You ought to praise God. You ought to thank him this morning for making a way out of nowhere in your life. Give God some praise in here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe, 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 believe. Belief is, huh, it's more than the ascent of the mind. It's more than you just coming to some theological conclusions in your mind. It, 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 and it's also more than the consent of the will. It's more than you um, deciding to change your behavior. It's more than behavior modification. It's more than the ascent of the mind. It's more than the consent of the will. Belief is culminated in the reclining of the heart. It's when your heart fully rests in God. It's not just your mind, it's not just your hands, but it culminates in your heart fully resting in God. It's kind of like this. My granddaddy was a pastor for over 40 years. He, um, he was a short man, but he lo- loved to drive big cars. As a matter of fact, uh, he loved the Cadillacs. And my daddy, my granddaddy, he drove Cadillacs when they were real Cadillacs. Not these little cute things you put in your pocket now. No, uh His Cadillacs, man, his Cadillac would be so big. Yeah, that thing would start at that wall back there and go all the way to this wall back here. I'm talking about a Cadillac. I'm talking about you couldn't drive it like this. You had to drive it like this. You know what I'm saying? Watch me whip. Watch me. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about a Cadillac. The Cadillac man was so strong. It was made out of that strong metal to where if you hit something, you you got out the car to check on the something. You'd be like, Lord, did I hurt the building, Lord? Did I? Didn't need no seat belts and it wasn't no seat limit. You could just pack kids in until you ran out of room. You just scoot over. You can get your brother in there. You can get four people on the front seat alone. I'm talking about, and you put, and then sometimes you ride the hump on the floor right beside the cooler for long trips. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? I'm talking about, talking about a car. Man, you didn't even need no baby seat. You just put the baby in the back window. You just got to flip him over every 15 minutes to make sure he don't burn by the sun. Ain't it? Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So he in there, man, and he driving. So you can imagine my surprise when he says to me, my name is Albert, but I'm a junior. And he calls me. He couldn't get the extra energy for the second syllable, so he just called me June. 
He said, uh, he said, June, I'm going to let you drive and I'm going to come back there and I'm going to shit my eyes. So I said, okay, granddaddy. So 16 years old, I'm amazed. He, he gives me the keys and I'm, I'm driving. <laughs> now, I've been driving now about 40, 45 seconds. He said, June, uh, son, uh, speed this thing up, boy. We want to get there for sunrise. I said, okay, okay, granddaddy. So I speed up. Uh, about 30, 35 seconds later. He said, uh, June, boy, slow this thing down, son. We ain't running no race. Said, okay, 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 granddaddy. I, said, I slow down. Uh, 20, 27 seconds later, he said, June, well, by this time, I can already tell my grandmother's sitting over here in the passenger side getting, getting frustrated in her sanctified soul. I could just see her getting irritated. She, she leans over, turns around, throws her hand up and says, Uh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes. <laughs> see, the problem was my granddaddy in his mind had decided that he was going to let me drive. In his will, he handed over the keys and decided he was going to let me drive. But in his heart, he was still driving. Sometimes I wonder if God peers over the balcony of heaven into your life and says, uh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me. I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the kids. I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the finances. I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with the job. I, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me with your relationships. You know, you're trying to navigate single. And at the end of the year, remember New Year's Eve, you was like, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you and I'm not going to get into any other relationships. And then before you know it, here you are walking around with Bob. Where did Bob come from? And then when Bob turns out to be crazy like your last four boyfriends, now here it is in April and you coming to me praying about Bob. And I'm like, who is Bob? I don't know who Bob is. I've never met Bob. I thought you said you was going to trust me. I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and trust me. Belief is the idea of you getting in the backseat of God's plan and his will and saying, God, I trust you enough to lead and guide. I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to let you drive. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. What would it mean for you to shut your eyes and trust him? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, 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 perish. Perish is, is, is it's bigger than the idea of just death and going to hell. It's, it's bigger than dying and going to hell. It's so much bigger than that. Perishing, it, it's not about just dying and going to hell. It's, it's bigger than that. Perishing is this idea of this slow drift from God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise. For your life. It's this slow drift, this drifting away where you find yourself moving outside of God's provision, outside of God's purpose, outside of his promise, outside of his plan, outside of the light of God in your life. That's perishing. It, it's this living outside of the presence of God's purpose for your life. The most dangerous thing about perishing 
is that you can get used to living like this. You notice how when I first started moving off the stage, the cameraman was freaking out and everybody was trying to figure out where I was going. All the tape, type A personalities was all getting all weird. Where is he going? Oh, my goodness. Is it, do they know? Is this planned? Is, did they practice this? The light. Oh, no. What's happening? Shut up. You notice now, just after a few seconds, it's not half as uncomfortable as it was at first. Isn't it crazy how used to the blank screen and the empty stage you've gotten? Your eyes have adjusted, and now you're comfortable with the empty stage and still hearing my voice. Most dangerous thing about most dangerous thing about perishing is that you can get comfortable with an empty stage living outside of the light of God in your life. That's perishing. Satan would love for you to get used to living outside of the light of God that you were created to live in. Sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you plan to stay, and make you pay more than you can afford to pay. That was good. I'm going to say it again to this side. <laughs> Sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you plan to stay, and make you pay more than you can afford to pay. James says, when sin is finished with you, he leaves you for dead. God is saying, if you're perishing, if you're going the wrong way, if you find yourself drifting outside of God's purpose and his plan for your life, you don't have to. You can live another way. He says, I love the world so much that I gave my only begotten son that if you just believe in him, if your heart would just recline in him, if you would rest in him, you don't have to perish. You don't have to drift. You don't have to live outside of God's purpose and plan for your life. You don't have to go another day like this. He says you can have everlasting life, eternal life, everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life. Everlasting life is, if, if, if perishing is bigger than dying and going to hell, then everlasting life is bigger than, than dying and going to heaven. It, it's bigger than that. If, if perishing is a drifting away, then, then everlasting life is a is a drawing nigh. It's a drawing nigh. It's this idea of every day, throughout all eternity, every day I become more and more like my father. Every day I become closer to my father. Every day I become more like my father. It's kind of like this. My, um, my oldest daughter, the worst thing you can say to her, people say it to her all the time, but the worst thing you can say to her is go up to her and say, girl, you look just like your daddy. <laughs> My daddy's a dude with a beard. I do not look like a dude with a beard. But the girl can't help it. She looks just like me. When she was born, she looked just like me. Two years old, she looked even more like me. Four years old, she got glasses, OMG, SMH. She looked even more like me. 
She's 11 years old. Let me tell you, I didn't know I could be this pretty. I am a pretty 11-year-old. I look fabulous. I'm telling you, I didn't know I could look this good. She looks just like me. And every year, she looks even more like me than she did the year before. That's everlasting life. That's everlasting. God is saying every year, you look more like your daddy. Every, every year. Today, you look like him as much as you can, but tomorrow, you look even more like him. Next month, you look even more like him. Next year, you look even more like your father. Every day, looking more and more like your father. And it's not about perfection. It's not about being perfect. No, 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 no. It's not perfection at all. It's you being perfected by the perfect one. That's what it is. That was tweetable right there. That was good. That's was, that was good right there. That's good. One, one old preacher says it like this. He says, Albert, when I was in the world, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat. Now I've been walking with Jesus. I don't cuss quite that fast anymore. I don't, quite that fast. It'll take you a lot longer to get cussed out by me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Huh? The Lord is working on me. Oh, come on. If the Lord's working on you, give God some praise in here. Anybody that the Lord's working on me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him, would believe, would rest and recline in him, would not perish. You don't have to drift away from the presence and the purpose of God. But you can have everlasting life every day looking more and more like your father. For his glory. Amen. All over the room, let's pray together. If you don't mind, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to do something a little special today. I want to pray for those who are in this room and you were to be honest and say, Albert, I am I'm perishing. I'm, I'm going the wrong way. If you were to tell the truth, you would say, Albert, I am. Uh, my life is moving in the wrong direction. And I don't want to be. And I'm here to tell you by God's grace, you don't have to be. If you're perishing today, God is saying every great gift demands a great response. And today you can change your response. You can believe today. You're one yes away from eternal life from the fullness that God has for you. What would it mean for you to shut your eyes and to trust him today? If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, uh, it's going to require some courage. It's going to require some strength. I, if you're here today and you say, Albert, I'm perishing, but I don't want to be. You're, I'm perishing and I don't have to be. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up right where you are. I'm perishing. I'm going the wrong way. And I don't want to be. 
I'm going the wrong way. And by God's grace, I don't have to be. God is saying, you can turn around right now. By my grace, I've made a way. My son, Jesus, has made a way for you to go the right direction. You're one yes away from an eternal transformation. You're one yes away from looking more and more like your father. If that's you, just stand on your feet. Stay standing. I'm going to pray with you. If that's you, trust him. What would it mean for you to shut your eyes and trust him? If you're sitting here, room this size, I'd imagine some of you are sitting there and you're wrestling with him. You're fighting with him. Can I just tell you from somebody who's fought with God for a long time, you don't fight this God. He's too big for you. You don't fight this God. You follow this God. You don't run from this God. You run to this God. If you're sitting there and you're wrestling, what would it mean for you to wave the white flag and to say, Lord, I surrender this time? What would it mean for you to get in the car, not second-guessing yourself this time? What would it mean for you to wave the white flag? If that's you and you're wrestling and you're ready to wave the white flag, if that's you, just stand up on your feet right now. God, I surrender. Lord, I give you, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to fight you. You don't have to wrestle. You can rest. Ah, you don't have to wrestle. I'm telling you by God's grace, you can rest. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. 20 seconds and then we're going to pray. If you had 20 seconds to trust God and to believe in him and to fully recline in him and to stop perishing, if you had 20 seconds, would you stand if you had 20 seconds left? If that was you. If you had 15 seconds. 15 seconds meant the world of difference throughout all eternity. If you had 15 seconds to give him a yes, and that would change the course and the trajectory of your life. If you have 15 seconds, would you use those 15 seconds to make an eternal decision? 10 seconds. I'm telling you, in 10 seconds, in 10 seconds, you can make an eternal significant change in your life. What would you do if you had 10 seconds to tell him yes? If you had 10 seconds, you were down to five seconds. Man, you can get yes out in five seconds. You can get a yes, Lord, out in five seconds. And God can get the grace that you were created for, the hope and the forgiveness that you were created for. He could get that to you in five seconds. If you had five seconds, would you stand and trust him? If you were down to two seconds, two seconds, would you tell hell no and tell heaven yes? Lord, I want your will for my life. Hallelujah. 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 All those that are standing all over this room, if you don't mind, would you just stretch those hands towards heaven as we pray? Father, I thank you so much for every yes in this room, every yes in this room. I thank you, Father. Father, we believe that you're the Savior. We believe that you died and rose again and that you rose with all power in your hands. And it's that power that we stand in. It's that power that we surrender. It is that by that power that we say yes today. Father, every great gift demands a great response. And Lord, here's my response. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes, Lord, I will obey. Yes, Lord, I believe. Here's my response to this great gift. I believe, God. I surrender. And tomorrow, 
by your grace, I hope to look more like you. And I know I won't get it 100% right, so by Tuesday, by your grace, I hope to look even more like you. Every day, more like my father, because you love me, not to leave me where I am. Thank you, Jesus. Here's my response. I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. In Jesus' name. Every heart said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Mountain.